sometimes we don't want to hear, and uh, sometimes things come our way for the cost of a soul. You know, in Proverbs 11.30, it talks about the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is what? Wise. I want to be wise. I want to be wise. Brother Ernie, will you bless the word tonight? Thank you. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? I'm going to just share my heart tonight to you all. <clears throat> Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. But you are washed. And I didn't say washed. Washed. <laughs> but ye are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And that verse 11 says, and such were some of you. When I read that, Brother Peewee, I'm sorry, do you mind if I call you Peewee? Okay. I've always known him as Pee-wee. Um, but as I read those scriptures, I thought, you know, su such were some of you. We're all sinners saved by grace. And we can look at those scriptures right there. And it says... Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And in 2 Timothy 3 and 1 through 11, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, 
lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof for such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and led captive silly women laden with sin, led away with divers' lust. We go back here to traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We're talking here about the cost of a soul. And you might sit there and say, where in the world are you going with this? We pray for prodigals. We pray for lost souls. But there's a cost involved. And our prodigals, your family, your loved ones are involved in the world. A soul's going to cost us something. Sister Irvin, it might cause, cost us stress. It might cost us financial means. It might cost us conflict, adversity. Pleasure and sin for a season, following our own rules. They're following their own rules rather than God. Sin's pleasures only for a season. And the reason why I'm talking like I'm talking tonight is because we've been praying for revival. We've been praying for lost souls. And I hope something in this tonight will spark something within you to go a little farther for a cost of a soul. Sin's pleasures is only for a season. A soul that has lost their first love wants to be free from all the rules. Free from what they feel as being trapped. They're not free. They're in bondage. Bondage of this world. And we can sing that song, I'm free, I'm free. But if we're not careful, we'll find our own self trapped by bondage. When a person runs from God and lives a life of sinful disobedience, they begin to think, I'm free. But they become a slave to their own sin. Deception gets a hold of them and they believe a lie from the devil. Deception gets a hold of them. I hope you understand and you feel tonight this message that we need a greater burden, not saying you don't, but we, I, need a greater burden for the lost. We say we want revival. We say, Brother Pee Wee, we, I want to see souls saved. I want to be a soul winner. I want to be wise. But I don't want it to cost me anything. I don't want it to cost me heartache and troubles and trials. Deception gets a hold and they begin to believe a lie from the devil. And the devil speaks to them and says, believe, look at all you have to give up. No one wants to live for God these days. Well, that's a lie right there. Look around here. There's people here. 
There's people here on Sunday mornings. No one wants to live for God. No one really cares. And that is how a prodigal feels, that no one really cares about them and what they're going through. That soul begins to change. They exchange the relationship with God for a relationship with the world and with sin. They get entangled like a web by the world. And and it wraps itself around Sister Lloyd tighter and tighter where they can't move. They're suffocating. They're suffocating. And while they're in that web, they're crying out. Somebody help me. Somebody help me. Are we willing to hear that cry for the cost of a soul? In their mind, they're thinking it's only a pleasure for a season. It won't hurt anything. But it does. Their life, their soul is at stake. They're going to spend eternity somewhere. I won't go so far, they may say, as a pig pen. But rebellion gets worse. There is no guilt of the things they are doing. They begin to justify everything. Now we're talking about someone that's been entangled by the world. They have walked away from God and went back into the world. And the world has weaved that web around them to make them believe. Say it again. That's right. I won't go so far as a pig pen, but they do. They too. King David was a child of God, but he walked away from God's rules and committed adultery and even murder and hid it from others. He hid it for a long time, but he he finally came to his senses. He repented. He was broken before God and asked him to forgive him of his wicked behavior. Confession and repentance took place in his life. Do you know a soul when they come to the Lord, they still have a struggle? They do. And we have to help them through their struggles. We have to love them through. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. And we must show forth that love. Even though we don't like the way they're living, we don't like their attitude, we have to show forth that love. He hid it for a long time, but he did finally come to his senses. And, and I came to my senses one day, Brother Pee Wee. And many of you came to your senses one day. And you cried out and said, I need you. And you know what? We cannot forget that. When we are dealing with souls, we cannot forget that where we came from. And such were some of you. Confession occurs when you agree with God of your sin and the behavior of it. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm just not ready yet? 
I'm just not ready yet. And we tell them, you must repent. You must repent of your sins. But I'm not ready. I'm not willing to walk away from my sin and walk back towards God. Perhaps in their minds they may be thinking, how will I be accepted? I've been into the world, I've been entangled by the world and the things of the world, and I have been involved in things of the world. How am I going to be accepted? Brother Pee Wee, I felt that way. When I came back to God, I felt that way. How will people accept me? And I had someone tell me, you sure don't look Pentecostal. Oh, my goodness, instead of just showing forth love. I said, well, I'm sorry. I can't grow my hair overnight. But we've got to show forth love. Love. When we love someone, that doesn't mean we're compromising. You know your beliefs. You know what you stand for. Love. Love. Jesus is quick to forgive, but it requires repentance. With the prodigal son, it took a lot longer to go home than when he left home. And I'm sure he was thinking, what if I fail? What if I go back and they don't accept me? What if others in the house don't want me there? What if I'm shunned? What if? What if? That goes through the prodigal's mind. And there's a struggle and a, a struggle be, between the devil and God because when they do come into the house of God, they feel God's presence so strong. And you know what? They're standing there and they're gripping the pew. And there's, I want to go to the altar. You know, over in the old building, Brother Pee Wee, when I had backslidden, I, I came back to church, and Brother Caraway was still the pastor then. And I came in the church, sat in the back of the church, and I'm thinking, don't nobody come back here. Don't nobody come talk to me. But then in my mind, I was thinking, how come nobody's friendly to me? <laughs> Nobody came and talked to me. And I was standing there, and uh, they had the preaching of the word. They had the altar call. And Brother Caraway, Brother Darren said, everybody start praying. I thought, oh, no. Here he come, walking down the aisle. <laughs> I love God, but I just wasn't ready to come back. Jesus was ready for me to come back. He was standing there waiting on me with open arms. But me, my flesh, there's a struggle with the flesh. Once you've been into the church and you leave the church and you walk into the world, there's a struggle 
going on. And a lot of people don't understand that. Here come Brother Kierway. Back there to my pew. Come on, put his arm around me. You know how he was a big old teddy bear. Pulled me closer to him and he said, come on, Pammy, let's go to the altar. And I said, no. I'm here at church. Isn't that good enough? Come on, let's go. I looked up at him. I said, no, I'm not ready to come back. He said, you know, you don't want to be away from God. And I said, no, I don't want, I'm just not ready. My flesh wasn't ready. And that's what the struggle is with the prodigals, their flesh. They struggle. We see the outside of the person. And we see what's going on on the outside. But God sees what, they love God. They do. They love God, but they have struggles that they have to deal with to come back to God. And they have people they have to deal with. We think we have to deal with uh, the backslider. They have to deal with us. The cost of a soul, they've wasted many years. And perhaps they have gone to riches to rags. From love to hate, bitterness, resentment, envy. I'm here to remind you and I this. That soul you're trying to win will cost you something. It's going to. If we want to see souls saved, it's going to cost us something. I love souls, Lord, but I don't want to give them my time. I don't want to give them my food, my talent, my love, my prayer time, forgiveness. Look what they've done. What is the purpose of your prayers? Stop and think about that. Is it to impress others or to invest in them? You and I are investing in a soul. When we give to missions, we're investing in souls. Mother's Memorial, etc. We are investing in a soul. We are giving so that others may reach. And it's the same with your family. You're giving for that soul. You're giving of your time, your heartaches, your tears. You're giving for that soul. Are they worth it? Yes, they are. Many times people maybe kick somebody to the curb because they don't measure up or whatever. And shame on me if I look down my nose at somebody that is struggling and trying to make their way back to God. And because of my Pentecostal attitude, I can look at them and say, you're not worth it. You know better. So do I. So do you. 
I was talking earlier about David and his situation. We can begin to think, how could David do that? He was a man after God's own heart. David had a past, just like you and I do. When people get their eyes focused on others, things in life, and at that moment, all they can think about is self. Not what it's going to cost them, not what damage it might do to others, just self. For in that season, they turn to other things to satisfy because of what they want. What they want to satisfy them, their flesh. But we know that only Jesus can satisfy their soul. Only Jesus, only Jesus could satisfy my soul, and only Jesus can satisfy your soul. It's time our prodigals return home, Sister Julie. It's time that they return home. Oh, they're going to spend eternity somewhere. And if that doesn't bother us as Pentecostals, and sometimes we can sit so proper on our seats while a soul is suffering in sin. Suffering. They don't know how to help themselves. They're depressed, they're angry, they're hateful. But we pray and we ask God, we ask God to let them come home. When that prodigal went back to the father's house, I thought of that today, Brother Pee Wee. When that prodigal went back to the father's house, that father opened his arms. But what about that other brother? That other son, his attitude, mm, there's a lesson there. What is my attitude? Will we stand with our arms open wide to receive, or will we fold our arms and push them away? They could be just like Dorothy. Clicking their heels and saying there's no place like home. I gotta go home. There's no place like home. But yet, spirits all around them holding them, taunting them from going home. Spirits get a hold of people. Oh, and tug at them and keep them from coming home. They need help getting home. Their home is the church. The cost of a soul, are we willing to pay? We need to pray that that song is their thing. Lord, I'm coming home. Lord, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Sister Goldman, I, I carry that picture of my daughters all the time in my Bible. And Layla got, was in the car the other day, and she got that picture out. She said, Mama, who's this? And I said, that's your grandma and your aunt, Crystal. And she said, they're at church. I said, yeah, they're at church. They're at the altar praying. She said, oh, Mama. And I said, 
Layla, we need to just pray. We just need to pray. We don't know the effects of our attitude that has on other people. And we want them to come back. We want them to come and be part of the church again and all. But please remember there is a struggle going on. They're fighting hell. Because the devil don't want to turn them loose. He does not. And here's God standing, pulling, saying, come on home. Come on home. And the demons of hell is right there snatching them and trying to grab them and take them away and take them deeper into sin, farther and farther away. That's why the world has so much to offer out there to people. Because the devil knows his time's just about over. And we talk about hate in the world. We should get a hate for the enemy. We should not play, play patty cake with the enemy. He's real. He is real. I want to read you a story here in closing. And we're going to do something here. Max Lakato tells us about a girl named Christina. She lives in a small dusty village in Brazil. She's bored. Maybe reading this story, you might find one of your prodigals in this story. She feels like her strict parents have cheated her out of the joys of life. Been there, done that. She longs for the excitement of the big city of Rio. One morning, her mother, Maria, finds Christina's bed empty. Maria knew immediately where her daughter had gone. So she quickly throws some clothes in a bag, gathers up all her money, and heads for the bus station. On her way, the mom enters one of those photograph booths in a drugstore and takes pictures of herself. She puts the pictures in her purse and takes the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. She puts up pictures of herself and all over town, wherever she could find, she would put pictures. But she can't find her daughter. The weary mother gets back on the bus and weeps all the way home. Months later, Christina slowly walks down the hotel stairs. She's already worn down by life. Her young face is tired. Her brown eyes no longer dance with youth, but speak of pain and fear. A thousand times over, she longed to go back home. She remembered the warm, secure feeling of love and acceptance she had experienced back with her mom in their little village. But she thought it was too late to turn back. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She looked again, and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's eyes burned, and her throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo. Written on the back were, the, were these words, Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And you know what? She did. Christine's mom pulled out all the stops to get her child to come back home. She went that extra mile for that soul. 
And this is exactly what God is doing for his children. It's not his will for anyone in this room or in our family to perish. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Please come home. You know, souls have wasted a lot of years. I wasted a lot of years. You have wasted a lot of years in your life. And we got to always remember when we're dealing with prodigals, when we're dealing with souls, when we're those that are hurting around us, we got to remember they do love God. They do. They just want somebody to care. They want somebody to show them love. And if I can't show them love, Brother Budgie, and I can't show somebody that I care that's in the world, they may be living a different lifestyle. But who am I? Who am I? And I... I'm going to bust somebody's bubble here, and I probably never get to speak again. But I got the mic. For too many years, too many years, I wished I'd had somebody just to show me a little love when I was out in the world, Brother Pee Wee, and just showed me they cared. I might have not been spit-shined. I might have not looked like somebody else. But I just needed some love. People are looking for love in all the wrong places. We have the love of God inside of us.